2: Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we're giving away a bunch of brand new Blackmagic gear. Yeah,
0: cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Blackmagic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode 21 of Just Shoot It, a
2: podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan and I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got director Paul Briganti on the show. We're going to talk to him about creating and directing two television shows that he has on the air, Adam Ruins Everything and The Middle of the Night Show for MTV. It's a really great episode. He's got a lot of interesting insights on what it takes to make two television shows simultaneously.
0: Yeah, I'm super pumped to talk to him about how he juggles all of it and They're two really different shows, so I think it'll be really interesting to get his perspective.
2: But first, Oren, what have you been working on lately?
0: Well, if you guys listened to the commercial episode, I talked a lot about that, and somehow, luckily, I got more commercials. So I'm finishing the Quiznos commercials and prepping these Time Warner cable commercials.
2: And are these uh, more broadcast spots?
0: They are not broadcast spots, but, and it's a big but, they feel like broadcast spots because they're a 30-second and two 15-second spots. Oh, great. They're basically like YouTube pre-roll spots. But what's nice is like when you're trying to get more commercial work, you want to show people 30-second spots. And usually when you get hired to do like right. web-branded content, it's like three minutes. And it's really hard to use that for your commercial reel. But this these will be great. And it's a fun concept and a fun client, new client. And so I think it'll be fun. But one of the interesting things about it is the people that have hired us to do it usually do unscripted celebrity stuff. And this mm-hmm. is more, like one of the first scripted things they're doing. And so just their entire system for how to work with people is different with celebrities. It's like, you might get them tomorrow for half an hour. So start putting together the whole crew and you know, with scripted stuff. It's like, okay, we're going to shoot three weeks from now. We're going to go on a location scout. We're going to do a casting um, call. We're going to, it's just so much more organized. And so we're kind of meeting somewhere in the middle where, like, today they were like, um, we're not sure if we're going to have the scripts in time, so maybe cancel your casting for tomorrow. And we're like, well, we already have, like, 50 actors scheduled with their agents. Like, how are we going to cancel that? You can't just change those things. So it's, it's interesting. And then the other thing is just finishing those Quiznos spots. Which should be airing relatively soon, right? Like, a couple days from now? <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to, but... <laughs> You know, the spots are about kind of these new sandwiches that Quiznos is making. And unfortunately, even though we did our job on time and hit the deadline, the Uh, stores that are supposed to serve these new sandwiches are missing it by a week. So it's been postponed by one week so that they can make sure that the sandwiches we're advertising are actually available at the store.
2: Those sandwiches must be like a couple weeks old by now. Gross.
0: Oh, they're real old. (laughs) No. Yeah, they're actually they look pretty good. Oh, interesting. When we did the color correction yesterday on the chicken pesto sandwich, like a little bit of pesto when they filmed it got smeared onto the chicken and everyone was in a fit about how the chicken looked a little green and you can't show a green chicken on the air. And so we spent like an hour just with like power windows, which is like where you, you know, draw kind of circles around a certain part of the image and try to remove the green from it. And it's funny because it's not green chicken. It's just like some pesto. I don't know. It's just the, the the details in advertising are just so interesting to me and how much time we'll spend on it. And our colorist is a guy that did like Taco Bell stuff. And he said that one of the interesting things with Taco Bell is like you have to make the sausage, the bacon, and like the ham all look different. And they do a separate color pass for each one to make it look ideal but not the same as each other. So anyway, it's all fun detail stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about more on the podcast. But I am dying to know Matt. <laughs>
2: What have you been up to lately? Yeah, well, uh, with a freelance filmmaking lifestyle, you go through cycles, right? So you're really, really, really insanely busy, and then you're less busy. And the trick is to kind of keep yourself active and creating new things and developing and all of that stuff. So uh, this week was really all about development for me. But I think I also, because I really have basically put every single finishing touch on Shitty Boyfriends, except for a couple things here and there this is like the kind of the low point for me, you know, and I think it's interesting to deal with. You have to remind yourself of like the things that you need to be doing to create more work and more fun for yourself. And I think it's easy to, you know, just waste those days checking email and Twitter and things like that, not really being creative. And we always talk about how when you're really busy, you crave the day where you can go, you know, Take a coffee with a friend of yours that you haven't seen in a while and like, you know, do a little casual reading. And I think I've kind of finally hit that point where I'm over that stuff (laughs) and and I've got plenty of work to do, but it's all about self-motivation and um, shifting from 100 people all coming up to you and needing something from you to generating that material yourself sometimes just takes a little bit of time to shift into.
0: Yeah, well, it's tough because you're racing to the finish line Like you said you're dealing with a million people and you finally get there and you're so happy And the next day You're like damn. What am I gonna do now? Yeah, no one's no
2: one's calling me every second <laughs> It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's that that natural adrenaline rush of the fun of directing and being on set and you know you you're constantly interacting with people and all of that, you know, you talk to 100 people a day and They all need something from you and you're pitching jokes and collaborating with all these people. And then all of a sudden you're alone in front of a laptop again, which is the thing that you were always missing. You know, I always say, I I thought I would spend more of my time in coffee shops and now I spend all day in them, which is awesome, but it is a distinct shift. And so I have to be really mindful of staying disciplined with my schedule and not working too much and not working too little uh, making sure that I'm exercising and eating right and kind of all of that stuff that you kind of take for granted when you're working and on set, you know? Yeah. No, it's it's stressful to
0: be between jobs because you don't even want to exercise because you're like, that's kind of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I should be calling people or coming up with sure. new ideas yeah. or generating work somehow yeah everyone wants work and when they have it they wish that they can finish it
2: already <laughs> yeah so that's where I'm, i think probably by next week I'll, I'll be in a different phase for sure cool well let's talk to paul briganti so paul um yeah. you are kicking ass right now you've got two television shows on the air and Hey, folks, we're interrupting this
0: incredible episode of the podcast to tell you about a new sponsor that we're working with, Front Row Insurance Brokers. One of the challenges of being a filmmaker is that there's a lot of risks that we take and we really just want to focus on making good stuff. So what if there was a company that could take those risks, manage them for us while we are being
2: artists? That's right. Front Row Insurance Brokers arranges film production insurance to cover the risks associated with your production. They cover features, TV shows, documentaries, commercials, music videos, webisodes, basically anything you can watch on big media or phone-sized screens.
0: Yeah, Front Row will help you focus on your artistic vision by transferring all the risks to them and minimizing your production hazards. And they cover any budget from $2,000 all the way up to $200 million.
2: There's nothing that's too small or too big. If you are shooting in Canada, use coupon code JUSTSHOOTIT50OFF for 50 bucks off your film production insurance. That's promo code JUSTSHOOTIT50OFF to save 50 bucks.
0: And if you're shooting in the U.S., that same code can be redeemed offline by mentioning it to a broker, by email, or over the phone. It's like a cool password
2: if you're in the U.S. That's Just Shoot It 50 off. Check them out. Let us know how it goes. Thanks. A couple bajillion internet views to your name. Um, yeah. But I'm sure people want to know uh, how you got started in filmmaking.
1: Uh, what? Yeah. I, I did go to film school. What school? I went to the, sc- the School of Visual Arts. Oh, SVA, right? Yeah. Oh. It's in New York City. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's a pretty cool school. It's, it is what you make of it. I guess any film school is, is that. It's kind of more of a pragmatic, you know, workers kind of film school. How did you find it?
0: Like, were you, did you
1: grow <laughs> up in New York? No, I grew up in Connecticut. I actually found it because I went to a different school for a year. I went to a school called Emanuel College in Boston, it's like a liberal arts school. And it was the only school I got into because I didn't do very well in high school because I was just very into, filmmaking and like theater and stuff and i just didn't do very well in high school so i applied to a bunch of schools and i got into one and that was manual college in boston and i hated it it was the worst it was just a bad experience you know what
2: didn't you like about it
1: i just didn't connect with anybody i think i was kind of a it was an uphill battle going in. Like, I didn't, I, didn't, I knew I wasn't going to like it and I didn't like it. And I really wanted to go to New York and I was bummed out that I didn't get to do it. So, just the, for for like a year at Emanuel, I just like worked really, really hard to get out of there. And I got like really good grades. I learned, you know, a lesson that you have to work hard to to achieve things, obviously. And then, uh, then I went to SVA in New York because a friend of mine was like applying there and we were going to go together. And then he, Couldn't go. And then I was like, oh, fuck. Now I have to go to this new experience by myself. And then I did. And it was uh, an incredible thing. It was was like, like, I'm so happy that I did it. So, yeah, it was I went there for two years and I made shorts and stuff. And, And the reason why I left is because I started getting like editing work and like assistant editing work and stuff. And the whole mentality at SVA is like you should be working. You know, it's so like if you get a job or something, then they're like kind of proud of you that you don't have to go to school anymore. So I kind of took that to heart yeah. and I was like, yeah, oh, I'm getting a lot of work now. Uh, I'm not going to go to school anymore. And they were like, cool, that's good. And I just started working cool, and editing and stuff.
0: And how'd you get that editing work? Like just you started with friends and then
1: Yeah, I referrals? think when I was in college, I just did a bunch of work for my teachers and stuff because I really, really loved editing. It was my favorite thing to do. And still, I still love it. I had a teacher who gave me a lot of work and I thought, at, you know, at the time he was obviously like rip, r- r- getting a great deal because he was paying me like a <laughs> hundred dollars or something. He was r- right? helping you out. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. He was like paying me a, like a hundred bucks to like edit this like fashion, uh, video that he probably got paid a lot more money to do. And I did, you know, I really liked it. And then he had me do a couple of their gigs and, and I don't know. I just like did a lot of Craigslist hustling for work and stuff when I was in college, a lot of internships, really took advantage of that. And then I just started editing for a bunch of different companies, like on a freelance basis. And then I did that for a while after I left school. And then I started doing more like reality show kind of stuff in New York. And and at the same time, I was doing like UCB stuff and and I didn't really want to do reality show editing for forever. And I was pretty young, so I could, like, do a lot of different things. So I um, basically started this, like, production company with these two friends of mine that I met at UCB. It was called Landline, and uh, we just made a ton of sketches together. And it sort of turned into, like, this weird business, you know? Yeah.
0: Like, so you were doing I, sketches, like, that you guys are writing just for fun? Yeah. Or, like, YouTube? Like,
1: yeah, like YouTube sketches, yeah. Like videos that were, like, strategically
2: topical and related to blogs and that that had a lot of viewers and stuff like that did we ever talk about so when i worked for adam.com oh yeah, we yeah. hired you guys a little bit we never interfaced we like, might have i don't, I don't know I'm, I'm pretty sure not
1: yeah there was one this was like our first deal actually that was yeah. like a huge deal for us it was like with adam.com for like five videos right for like like a lot of money something like twenty thousand dollars or like third yeah, between yeah, that yeah to make like a couple of videos and we were like, oh my God, this is insane. <laughs> and we really made that money like work for a long time. And then we slowly, you know, turned it into a full-time thing as more deals started coming our way and, and popping up and stuff. And it turned into like a real business,
2: which I never really saw coming you guys just were at the right place at the right time of, like, there were finally kind of places that were really doing things and everyone wanted to go viral. And I feel like there were a couple yeah. times where you guys had stuff that was certainly on my radar, for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, we made a lot of stuff. And then just like anything, not not a lot of things go viral or pop or whatever but yeah we were doing it for a really long time and you know eventually we became more of like a like a branded content sort of production company
0: and so you were making money off of this yeah it was a a full-time
1: job yeah yeah like we all had jobs me and the two other guys had jobs and then i think i was the first one to be like full-time for the company because i was an editor Mm -hmm. so we all had like we all were writers and then we all had our like real skill that we actually brought to the company. Like I was the editor, like person, one of the guys named Saj is the producer. And the other guy was Jared was like the, the business person. And then we were all writers. So we did it. the writing was the fun part. That was not our job in our minds. And then we all had our like technical or, or you know, right, right. serious Day job skill. And did you guys together.
0: pay yourself for writing, or was it like you just split?
1: We just like split rewrite. split the money. Yeah, but it was really wild. I mean, I was like twenty two or something, or twenty three, and I was like full time yeah. making stuff, which was awesome. Yeah, it's it was really awesome.
2: cool. I think also it's nice that um you guys were so young that like stretching twenty five thousand dollars was (laughs) feasible yeah you know yeah like as they say your nut wasn't that big i imagine
1: right you know no yeah definitely like our budgets for the videos were i mean and it's good that we started there because you know now i can't now i know how to be resourceful you know if there's something for you know a bigger budget thing that we just can't get this shot on a train or whatever right and you're like oh yeah i know i think i know how to make it look like a train or something yeah. for really cheap and let and,
2: me bring um, in my old model train
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. just bring that in yeah. i did stuff for adam
0: film also and it was like a weird time because yeah you would get like well, okay we're gonna give you 20 grand a video and we're, we're gonna buy three videos from you sixty thousand dollars or something
1: Man, and that's how much you made! <laughs> Damn it, we got so you, screwed. I
2: do remember there was a time that we were like, of... "Oh man, landline is gonna give us yeah. a bunch of videos for cheap." It's for so sure. fun, it's
1: so funny because from our perspective, we were like, "Oh my god, we're getting five thousand dollars a video. This is amazing!" Like we were, we thought it was like sure. so much money, which is so funny. Well,
0: yeah, it, but I mean, for us, it was. A, I, I mean, I know it's more money, but yeah, the thing is, like now, if I got twenty thousand dollars to make a video, I'd be like, ah. Oh. How am I going to squeeze that? But back then, we <laughs> yeah. we would make the video for, like, $5,000. Yeah. And then and just my, the, the guy I did it, yeah. it with made, like, twenty grand in, like, two months. Yeah. yeah. And then literally, like, a, a week sure. later, Adam Films, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> How do we make yeah. money off of
1: this? Yeah. 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 And I think yeah. that was the story with a lot of places that we worked with. You know, they were like, we need content. Like, AOL was doing yeah. stuff, and they... They gave us like a year contract, which was crazy. <laughs> and They gave us a like a pretty good deal. It was like four or five videos a month for like a year, and we that was like one. That was like our main thing. Yeah, and we like got like a pretty big office in Brooklyn, and oh, like wow. it was uh, it was kind of hilarious like how how much we were like we built off yeah. of that. Well,
0: for someone that's like listening right, right now, like I know we're talking about this, like oh, those were the heydays of making videos yeah. for the internet, but I think nowadays it's just like that except there's like a thousand times as many companies that are doing it
1: yeah but there are like different things too like there's there's now like other companies that are doing digital stuff that's like bigger budget like youtube is doing like tv stuff so there's actually more of like a middle ground i think between digital and tv which is cool
0: but when you say like oh we got this deal from AOL for a year we got this deal from adam film what is someone nowadays that's getting started how do they just get a deal because i think i have an idea which is something that like when you're new you're like afraid to do but if you meet someone that works at comedy central like you know on their internet stuff i feel like it's just totally acceptable to be like oh can i pitch you guys some stuff like can i send you some ideas
1: Yeah,
2: and it's something that when
0: you have that company you feel really comfortable doing but
2: right I would caution people to you know when, when you're out meeting people and getting to know people you do want to make sure that you give a great first impression you know so if your reel isn't totally ready yet then maybe you shouldn't go in and pitch too strongly I, I certainly have been on the other side where i've seen people who were like maybe it was the first time that they were in the room or just obviously very talented but not there yet yeah. the kind of maybe yeah but you have to do that you like do 10 have to times do before you yeah, get sure pitch. yeah and you might absolutely. be like yeah maybe
0: they practiced on you or got learned how to pitch from you but It's good because maybe they'll come back and pitch you something way better.
2: I mean, I think the trick is still just shooting it, right, though? Like, if you have a killer video and that's your entryway into the rest of the business, that's, I think, still the way to go. I think,
1: yeah, I think what I learned from that experience from doing Landline was to just really find people that you can collaborate with well and and see eye to eye with and can build something with, you know, because I could not have done that on my own at all. And we just work together and kind of held on to each other at a really early age in our careers, I guess.
0: And you guys probably were all bringing in projects separately.
1: Yeah, sort of. I mean, (laughs) I mean, we weren't really bringing in projects. Like we just, our bringing in projects was like putting up videos. Like that was our like marketing, I suppose. And like if a video did really well, I'm sure as it happens with you guys, a bunch of people would just like reach out to us and be like, hey, do
2: that thing that you did that was really hard and do it for us. And
1: and we're like, okay.
2: (laughs) I think part of it also is like making sure that it is clear to people who are curious how to reach out to you. You know, like back in the day when I was at Adam, I would look for sketch groups all the time. And I couldn't tell you how many times I was trying my hardest to figure out how to reach out to someone through their agents or managers or just their website or whatever. And you couldn't figure it out. And I'm sure that that's still the case for plenty of people, but that's I think that's part of it for sure.
1: Yeah, and I also think a lot of it is just like being around and being in LA and stuff, and in New York, and any place where other people who make things are hanging out.
0: So when did you come to LA?
1: So we were doing we were doing stuff for kind of a while and getting more work, but I I uh, you know I was like still pretty young and I I wanted to try to do like more just like comedy stuff and like try to do TV or whatever you know, and I saw myself moving more towards like just owning a business and sort of that becoming my life. So then Sam Reich from college humor, he like knew about us and he called us and they were starting this like new company called jest. And it was like an older skewing college humor. So he called us and was like, Hey, do you want to like run this thing called jest? The three of you we were like, yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was very into it. Cause I was looking for a change at that time. I wanted to, I wanted to just like direct comedy videos. I didn't want to think about a business, you know, at that time. And so we moved over there and then I started directing for College Humor and then College Humor moved out to LA and I moved with them as like a full-time director and yeah. And then I was there for here for about two years before they started working on these TV projects that they've like been doing now. Cause that's, that's why they came to LA
2: to like make TV shows more aggressively. So, um, for people who don't know, remind us which are the two TV shows that you're working on right now.
1: One of them is called Adam Runs Everything. It's on True TV, and the other one is called Middle of the Night Show, and it's on MTV. And
0: you're directing both of them.
1: I'm directing half the episodes of each season and producing on them as well. And they're both from College Humor. They were like created in, by this company called Big Breakfast, which is like College Humor's production entity. So I went from like a staff director to to working on those shows and do you
0: write on them at all or
1: i don't write scripts but i'm like in the room and stuff and you know influencing that as as much as they want me to or as much as i can
2: real quick what's the logline for both of the shows
1: okay so there's one there's one that has like a very easy logline so mill Night Joe, i think has a really yeah. strong logline and not, not that either show is better it's just well, like it's, it's funny easier because
0: i would think Adam ruins everything the logline is the title
1: yeah, I mean, it's a, it's just a harder show to like visualize for people. I right. just kind of have to see it. I feel to to get it because it is kind of like a new format. Adam ruins everything. The middle of the night show also is kind of a new format. So, middle of the night show is it's in New York, and we break into a celebrity's apartment or hotel room, wake them up in the middle of the night, and force them to host a late night talk show in their bedroom and on the streets of New York. Semi against their will. They just have to, like, go and do it. And they have no idea what we're going to do with them at all. Sort of like Billy on the Street meets, like, the Tonight Show or something. Right, Jimmy Kimmel, Frank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Wait, so do they sign a release form before you wake them up?
1: No, they do it after we wake them up. But
0: like, Wait, for real? I
1: thought there was
0: a rule, like a new law that people have to sign release forms before you shoot them. Is that not true?
1: I don't think so. I mean, their representation... Oh. Is like on board and stuff. So like they, their representation knows what's going on, but they don't know what's going on. So like, I don't know, their publicist or something, their managers. Do they know
0: that something might happen eventually no. at some point?
1: No, no. But for it's real? Yeah, for real. I yeah. thought,
2: I thought for sure that they knew it was coming. The mi- wake up? Sense. Yeah, the wake
1: up. No, they have no idea. No, they think we're doing a show in the morning the next day.
2: Oh, uh, uh, yeah, so they do yeah, know no,
1: there's a show. Oh, yeah, they think there's a show, but they think it's in the morning, so they're sleeping. You guys call it the
0: middle of the morning show. For
1: we them? just say it's like an MTV show. I think like it's basically like a pre- when their managers or publicists or agents right. want to prank them and think right. that they'll be cool with it, which they have been, which is cool. Has anyone um, gotten pissed? I mean, they're all just like what? <laughs> <laughs> they're not mad. They're just like, I mean, it's it's all been pretty cool because the second they wake up. People come in, yeah, and they're like, "Hey, this is spot. we are fine with this. You're okay with this. It's gonna be fine." And then they're fine.
0: And are they yeah.
2: wearing clothes?
1: Sometimes no. Thomas Middleditch was naked in his bed. <laughs> I was
2: trying to. I knew there was yeah. somebody who was naked.
1: Yeah, he was naked.
2: Well, um, and, and Middleditch has worked with Schumer a handful of times. Yeah, did you know yeah. him
1: already or no? I've met him a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, are you
0: the person that like wakes them up?
1: Me and like the crew and stuff. It's like a band. There's like a band. Yeah. It's like super abrasive and like loud and scary.
2: (laughs) There's like an announcer and like cue cards. Yeah. It's like
1: like, a whole elaborate, yeah. Oh, wait.
2: That you have cue cards for the person. For them. Yeah.
1: They're doing the monologue. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So So there's there's no intro like tonight. We're going to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We do intro that to the camera. Like, outside of their apartment. And then who does the intro? Oh, this guy, Brian Murphy. who's like, a college humor personality. He's, like, a a writer, performer at College Humor. Okay. He's, like, the real host, sort of. He, like, leads them through it. He's sort of, like, their Sherpa, I guess, through the night. He's, like, here, read this cue card. Here, you're going to play this game. Do this, do that. And do they
0: interview other people?
1: Yeah, yeah. We have, like, other guests and games for them to play. And, like, we basically hold their hand through the night
2: of hosting this This. The experience. Like each <laughs> each guest has like different bits that they get guided into. So yeah. like with Timeless Middle that you go out onto the street and then, you know, you do your own version of, you know, taxi trivia or right, like yeah. a karaoke contest. It's it's yeah. all late night tropes. And so is everything already pre lit
0: or
1: Yeah, well we, we rehearse everything without the celebrity. We have all locations like around the hotel. Everything's very close to the hotel because we only have like, you know, however long their publicist says <laughs> that we can do it with them, which is honestly, it's been longer than I've thought we could get people for like, it's usually like four or five hours. So, you know, there's this one thing we did with this rapper, Waka Flocka Flame. I don't sure. know if Yeah. He was yeah, yeah. yeah. really like, cool. We did this like game called no hands basketball. He's like on a basketball court where him and Murph have to play, basketball against each other but with no hands and so they like just hit it with their head. And so like the basketball cover is like all fully lit and everything and pretty right. lit. And we just bring them in to the thing and it's all set up by the time they get there.
0: And then you have just handheld cameras?
1: Yeah, we have three cameras and a bunch of GoPros. We shot on the Amira, the R sure, yeah. Which is awesome. It's like it's like the dock cam. Yeah. It was great. It like proved really well and like it's a good um I was very like I think we we're very lucky to shoot on that because it's like I think it's easy to justify not shooting on a camera like that. Right. Um, oh. But, uh,
2: the okay. other way around, I feel like, right? Well, I well, feel like
1: from sure. a financial Sony standpoint. Cameras yeah, and all that exactly. Stuff. Like yeah. I feel like there's a lot of times we have the conversation, you know, do we have to shoot on this camera? Right.
0: <laughs> well, a good trick for listeners, at least from my experience, when they're like, Oh, let's shoot on any camera but the Alexa, which is like the camera that you usually want to shoot on. There's almost always a way to convince them that because it shoots like ProRes files, yeah. you don't have to transcode. You save time that you're in saving post. so much money yeah. and time and all this stuff.
1: And yeah, there is like there is a you know there's like the dirty words that are really funny to me like with producers and stuff. I feel like Alexa's a dirty word, jib is a dirty word, <laughs> sure, yeah. Steadicam is a dirty word, car flip car you've seen project Greenlight, <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. dude that yeah. scene
0: is like epitomizes every experience I've ever had on set I'm very I'm very much exaggerating and overgeneralizing but when yeah. when there's like 10 people telling you not to worry it's gonna look awesome yeah it's That's never it gonna doesn't. look awesome
1: yeah. yeah that was something that was really interesting to me he would have gotten that car flip if he let them win a couple yeah. things yeah. and like he's just like not a human to those people you know that was a sum of his his like bullishness that he did right. not get that car flip and I think I honestly think that they didn't want to give it to him because of that I really, really? Think, I yeah. think yeah. if he would have been yeah. if yeah. he would
0: have been giving up on all these other things they would have not even given him the car accident at all
1: I think though in that situation maybe I'm wrong but I feel like I feel like you go to the producer or something you're just like listen you just like explain yourself and you're like this is why it's important I, I don't know what to do maybe we can figure out a solution together and then like be more collaborative about it maybe yeah. I don't know and I think like and the only reason why so many things in that movie apparently
2: suck so I haven't seen it but it's, I think it's basically unwatchable like <laughs> I really? stopped well, I love that show yeah, yeah. Love it, love just it. a love little it. bit of context for I'm lizards. gonna watch if it you tonight. haven't seen project green there's a director
0: that is is very opinionated he's a first-time director and yeah he ends up you know Arguing with everyone and there's a scene where he wants this car to flip over and the producer says, No, we just don't have the budget for that. We'll do a a regular kind of straight on accident and it ends up being really disappointing. Tell me on your on the MTV show, if you wanted to do a car flip and it wasn't planned like ahead of time, is there anything you could say to the producer to get that?
1: Yeah, I mean I think there's I mean, a lot of what I learned, you know, this summer this summer I did these two shows and it was a very awesome experience. I learned a ton, but I think the most important thing I learned was like how to, how to get that stuff and how to, how to include people on trying to get that stuff. You know, I don't know. I think if you just kind of level with people sometimes, they want to do that stuff. And, and you do push, but you, like, find different ways to push and, and just understanding that, like, you're all trying to make the best
2: thing possible. And I think if you explain yourself a little bit more, sometimes there's more compromises, there's more give and take than you realize. Like, the the flip isn't, isn't a great example, but, you know, the more that you're collaborating on, like, you know, he fought super hard to shoot on film because he yeah. really, really, really wanted to shoot on film. Yeah. But, like, was the DP a part of that conversation? you know, the other person who's responsible yeah. for the quality of the image. I've saw that movie. Everything looks exactly. It, it looks bad. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks like, it looks like a mirror, you know what I mean? Or it looks, looks it looks like Alexa. It, looks worse it, would, it would have been that, totally yeah. fine to right. shoot on one of those
0: cameras. Right, right, right. Well, I thought, cause we've talked about this before. His rationale for wanting to shoot on film was, look, there's all these decisions that I'm finding you about the location, about the car flip, about this cast. But the only decision that is going to affect like every single frame of this movie yeah. is this one decision, and that, that's what I want. So I, I kind of respected him for that, even though yeah. I wouldn't care about film. Well,
2: well, let's talk a little bit about, actually, Adam Ruins Everything, right? Yeah, because yeah. that show has a ton of moving parts, yeah. right? And there's a huge cast and a ton of different sets and, and different gags. You're kind of constantly doing VFX or, like, the yeah. miniature work. There's all sorts of stuff. So I imagine that show is just filled with those conversations
1: yeah i mean everyone on the first season of of Adam adamren's everything was like really working so so hard to get as much as possible from every penny on that show in my opinion i think it looks a lot higher than the budget of the show yeah, there were a lot of compromises, but, yeah, it was, like, all those conversations of, like, how do we do this thing? Like, how do we shoot in an airport? Do we have to shoot in an airport? Can it be rewritten to shoot, like, in, in somewhere else? Sure. No. Why? And then, like, you go down this path of a solution, you got nothing. You go down this right. path of a solution. Do we change the, you know, do we change the this other act? And it, it was all just, like, a, you know, puzzle thing. Did you
0: and, shoot at the airport?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, <it's airborne. laughs> it was a studio. It was called like Hollywood Air. Or oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you shot
0: that in L.A.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Adam Ruins Everything was in L.A. Just to give people a little bit of context, Adam Ruins Everything basically is about this guy, Adam Conover, who interjects himself into people's lives to explain why the thing that they like so much. Is in fact terrible for the environment or for the world at large, or yeah. not so what they think it is. So there was this
0: sample clip online that was like such a perfect example of Adam ruins everything, which is these kids that are so proud of themselves for buying Tom's shoes, yeah, because you know when you buy a Tom's shoes, they give a free pair of shoes to someone in Africa, right. but then Adam comes and explains why that is actually really bad for Africa and the African yeah.
2: <laughs> cobblers yeah. and-, right. and and so what makes the show good right is that it's really just a guy explaining things yeah. that are kind of unpleasant right so what makes it entertaining and fun is all of the attention that you pay to tone and yeah. style and blocking and flourish right so there's a yeah. ton of steady direction, cam. Yeah, direction. exactly sure <laughs> right sure but so the, the point is though is that like what makes the show stand out is all of that stuff and so It's an obvious thing to say, but that makes all of those conversations and all of that horse trading that we're talking about especially important because you can't compromise what makes the show good and stand out without it not being a
0: good show. But when I watch that show, like I think in a weird way, this is a compliment to you, even though it's more about (laughs) me, but I see it and I'm like, I would never be allowed to pull this off because like you could cut here and you could show this. It's way better the way you guys have done it. But if I try to convince the DP and the right. producer that I want this, they'd be like,
1: ah, is, you're going to spend 10 hours doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting show. Like, it's very unique, not the type of show it is only, but, like, the way it came about. And and I think the reason why we're able to do that is because I came from a place of doing that already. It was, like, the right. precedent. So, So I was – the main reason why I directed the pilot of the show at all – is because I was assigned when I was working at College Humor to direct the first sketch of Adam Ruins. It wasn't even called that. It was called, like, Why Engagement Rings Are a Scam. And that week I just watched Citizen Kane for the first time. Uh, I only spent two years in film school. you know, So that's I, a funny I, I... connection
2: to make though. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and I was like,
1: oh, that's cool. Like, there's a lot of fun choreography yeah. and like cool playing with like focus and stuff and like smooth kind of camera angles and stuff yeah, and
0: how will turn like a close-up into an over-the-shoulder yeah shot and a exactly white shot
1: exactly in. yeah so and and also like this the suit that he and stuff so was just i i think looking back especially i was like very subconsciously influenced by that movie <laughs> uh and so a lot of it was just kind of done in like these these like kind of wonder things we didn't get too much coverage and and, and it sort of just evolved from there. We did two more episodes after that. One was about circumcision. The other one was about dog breeds.
0: Wait, what was the circumcision
1: one? It's bad for you? <laughs> well, it's not bad for you. It's just like the reason we do it is because this John Harvey Kellogg, the inventor of cornflakes, he was like this weird sex phobic freak. And he thought that circumcision um, prevented masturbation. So he he got a bunch of people to, to do circumcision. And that's like pretty much why we do it now. Well, what about Jewish and Muslim? People? Oh yeah. No, that's like, that's, he says in the video and in the show that like besides Jewish and Muslim cultures, they've been doing it for centuries. But anyway, so yeah. And then it just kind of got more, you know, elaborate from there. We were trying to like top ourselves, especially cause the video did super well. The first time around we were like, Oh, people are watching this. Let's like explore the, the style and the tone of it more. And then when we went to the pilot, we got the pilot from, from true TV. They were a the pilot. We were like, you know, we were figuring out how to how to make the show, and at one point, it was like going to be more of like unscripted style. Like we go to these like experts in there and see what they're doing. And Adam really did not want to do like you know one of was like discover like a Mythbusters type of show, right, or even like a Daily Show interview. Type yeah, of interview. yeah. Like we were, yeah, we we're going to do some stuff like that. We we're going to like travel places and like talk to these people. Because the main thing that he really wanted was like the credibility of the experts, and then I—I I don't know. We oh yeah, we watched the This American Life show on Showtime, and like they kind of blurred that stuff a lot with like fiction and nonfiction. And we we're like, oh, why don't we just do the videos, but like put experts in them and like right. have them fit our context rather than having to like fit the context of like a Discover, you know, Anthony Bourdain or whatever type right. show. Just like yes, yeah, so tell me what you're doing here, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. So then true tv like they bought the the show that we already did so it's very easy it's it's not easy it's just like you can argue that you know when you're when you're when someone's like oh why do we need a steady cam? you're like well true tv bought this show they you know it looks right. like this they want steady cams and stuff which is true and then you know they liked the pilot they love they really liked it so they ordered a series so you can sort of use that precedent i suppose but yeah if i was doing like anything else right just like a series for the first time that didn't really call for that type of stuff like these one and and all that stuff, there'd be a lot more conversations that are harder to to justify.
2: Yeah, and it, it's that thing. If you just like pitched this as a concept, yeah, and you didn't have the proof of concept online with yeah. all of those numbers, which is part of what they're yeah. buying into, yeah, then you probably would have done it differently.
1: Exactly, and that's that's why it's. I said before, it's like a little hard. It doesn't really have much of a log line in my eyes. Like whenever I explain it to people. I get kind of like sheepish about it because it sounds like the sound of it is like, oh, it's like Mythbusters, you know? Like it's about this guy who's like explaining things, like debunking things. And they're like, oh, okay. And then you, and they're like, no, 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 but it's like, you know, it's like cinematic and there's characters and there's like the season like has sort of an arc to it. But then like you already lost him, you know? It doesn't even, right. I <laughs> feel like it's
0: entertaining. Eyes. Like Mythbusters is like that reality show entertainment where they're like pulling you. Like, the voice or whatever, like, and the winner is... We'll tell you after this commercial yeah. break. This, but I feel like your show is just, like, kind of giving us substance, like, the whole way through. It's not, like, yeah. editing tricks. It's,
1: no, a, it's yeah. the opposite. Right, right, yeah. yeah.
2: Your teasers are typically like, I'm going to
1: ruin this topic next, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And also something you said before about, like, doing that type of coverage and stuff. Like, we've had a couple times where, you know, we've had, like, other, other directors on other episodes and, like, they... Get coverage or something and, and I have to be like no don't do that like we don't need that like we don't have time yeah. for that like it start. like the reason we do a lot of like what like long steady cam takes or stuff like that it originally was out of style and now it's out of style and necessity because the e-script is like 35 pages and we shoot four days so we can't get options there's no yeah. <laughs> there's no room for any kind of options
2: and does that ever but you, you uh, know, like, it like does how, how does doesn't. the network how do you deal with network notes how do you deal with like fat episodes yeah you know
1: there. that is a good point because there, there are times like there was this episode that I directed about cars and like Adam just like hates cars he just hates cars and like and, and he presents a pretty good case in it about like you know why we use cars why they're just bad things we spend so much money on them and, and our cities are designed around cars rather than the other way around Wait, is he – these are topics that Adam himself feels strongly about? Some of them are. Other ones are ones that the writers pitched, like, a bunch yeah. of things. We have it researchers, can't be,
2: too. It can't just be, like, Adam doesn't like something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, that, there has to be the, some substance to yeah, what they're ruining. exactly. Right?
1: The one about cars was, like, he's just, like, felt that and, like, done a bunch of research on himself. And, like, especially for the first season – the writers were like, you know, it's his show. They were like pulling from his like opinions and his like what he's done research on himself. But we did one about cars, like the the whole third act of the episode. Something I really enjoyed is like him and these kids because the whole the whole episode is about this like 16 year old kid getting his first car. And Adam's like and the dealership. And he's like saying why dealerships are bad. And the second act is like why. We drive cars like what happened in history to make us all drive cars. And then the third act is Adam and this kid and this kid's friends just like joyriding at night. And it was my favorite like character act. Like it was it was him with these kids and like they're really weird dweebs and like but they hate Adam because they're like he's so annoying and he's like just shitting on their car and I loved it, and and the network like was like not that into it because they were just like they're just in a car for an entire act, so visually. And this
0: is it's all scripted stuff.
1: Yeah, it's all scripted stuff, and like you know, there's were been, they really driving? No, we did um, Poor Man's Process.
0: Oh, fun. I've never yeah. done that before. How is it? But it was, I like it, yeah. But like transparent or like you're trying to make it look real?
1: Well, yeah, we're trying to make it look real, yeah. So it was like our reference for that was like um, the Big Lebowski. Like oh, no, yeah, all yeah. the stuff in the Big Lebowski is Poor Man's Process, and it looks really cool. Can we just give uh, a Oh, yeah. So, yeah. It. <laughs> poor Man's Process is like you park the car and it's not moving, and you cover it with like teen or black like curtains, and then you just have a so bunch it's important of,
0: to note that the, you can only do this for night driving. For night
1: driving, yeah, yeah. And then then you have a bunch of crew members standing on like ladders and stuff and like moving lights around the car to make it look like street lights or like passing or like there's like a headlight gag in the back with like two two lights. And it actually it's like pretty cool and like works pretty well and it creates the illusion of of nighttime driving. And in some cases I think it's like even even looks better. Than, right. You know, actually because you get it.
2: to light it perfectly.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And typically, like, you can also just do it with green screen is kind of the other right. Thing right. Do. That um, was
1: that was what we were gonna do green screen, but then I, I
2: that's the <laughs> the middle income man. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sure.
1: But I also like with green screen and cars, I never I never can truly trust it because like you never know how it's gonna look until yeah. you're done. So yeah, so we shot this whole act in and and a car at night and they were like you know it's it's just not the same show like the years the camera's usually moving it's usually brighter and in these different locations so and we didn't have anything so we had to like just be creative and we're like okay we can put a lot of graphic overlays on on camera like explaining what he's saying we can put stock footage like there's even like a couple shots of like a car driving in the daytime like (laughs) on a mountain or something. I didn't vote for that, but like, you know, that was like a solution that we did. And like, so yeah, it went to answer your question. Yeah. It can, it can hurt us a little bit, but honestly, like sometimes I think it's good to, to kind of put yourself in a corner because then it gives you like a little more power and you kind of have a little more say in how you want it to look. And obviously for, you know, a show that's like, like more straightforward, like Broad City or something like they would be like, so you didn't get like a closeup of their face saying this line, like we're never working with yeah, you sure. ever again. So if I was doing like a more straightforward show as like an episodic director, I would obviously not work that way, but this is, it's just a very unique show, you know, and we, we want, you know, things to be, to be different and to, I think that's so
0: awesome. I, I know DPs absolutely hate this and I don't like to do it, but when yeah. we are shooting like on the dragon or whatever, to think you, you could crop, maybe crop yeah. build a little close-up or a we, camera move or we something. We do that,
1: yeah, yeah. I do that a lot. Is that Mira 2K or 4K? We should, well, we should add them on uh, a red dragon, on oh. the, the Epic. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can do in, in post. I mean, definitely, like,
2: squeeze it out of what we shot sure yeah right so you you mentioned before um that you got outvoted on the shot yeah so um (laughs) (laughs) i guess explain to me the power dynamic right because you're you're a producer and director right? like you've been there since the beginning yeah so it's you it's adam you've got a showrunner and then you've got Mm -hmm. the network how like are they ever pissed at you for
1: the network or Yeah. I don't know if they ever actually are. (laughs) I mean, who cares? Yeah. I I think they're very reasonable when you just like talk to them. You know, sometimes they send a bunch of notes and you're like, "Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if we want to. And then like other people get nervous that we're not taking the notes. So, you know, then you just kind of get on the phone and you talk to them and they're all like, they just want the show to be as good as it can be, too. So you're all like kind of figuring it out and like seeing eye to eye, or trying to as much as you can. But yeah, there there is. I mean, basically the dynamic for it's different for every show. I've I've learned in these past couple months. But like the dynamic in Adam is like the director does like their cut with the the editor, and then after that it goes to Adam and the showrunner and to the other producers like Big Breakfast and stuff, and then they all weigh in. But it's like you, I mean it. After that, it's like Adam's show. You know, like he is in the room and he's like very hands on, and you just kind of collaborate with him. And then whoever else wants to be a part of the process, who is a producer, and then, and then after that, you give it to the network. And then after after that gets the network, it's just like it's sort of like the the editor's thing. You know, right. like they just are like implementing this and like really just trying to balance like all of the notes. Right. And they're actually really good at it. They're they're really good at um figuring out which ones are the ones that that should get done. Right. And for the most part after your director's cut, especially because there's not too many options, like it kind of stays mm-hmm. 90% to what you had it. Right. How many days do you get? It depends. The schedule for this season has been very 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 tight. So I usually I've been Lucky, or I've been getting like five days to edit it. But by the time I see it, it's already like sort of an assembly and, and stuff.
0: And you have the visual effects done? Or- yeah,
1: yeah. Like we try to do as much as we can before it gets to other producers or especially the network because you really want to show them like what you're thinking right. for certain things. Right. But yeah, it's interesting. It's like very different. It's a very different <laughs> world experience. And I think it's like, it's, just, it's a different type of balance because like, I was just listening to your guys' episode about commercial work, and like it seems very like a very different world, but still similar types of dynamics and stuff like that. You well, know? I was
0: actually going to ask you about because you know I talked about timing our takes to be like yeah. exactly seven seconds, yeah. And on a show like Adam, when you don't do coverage, yeah, yeah, how do you guys time
1: that stuff on set? No. No, we just kinda <laughs> we just kinda do it and cross our fingers, you know? Uh, for the most part, there's only been like two episodes that have been like way over and we've just been like, Oh boy, what do we do here? And you figure it out and you cut it yeah. down. Do your commercial breaks have to hit on exact on a certain frame or are no, they flexible? They're very flexible about that. It just just the the final runtime is, is
2: not negotiable. It has to be like twenty one thirty or something like yeah. that. Typically it's like your first act has to be You have, like, a minimum and a maximum, right? Like, there are some rules in terms of just due to, like, the deals that the commercials have. Like, you can't be like, oh, we've got a 30-second act, and then we're doing another set of commercials. Yeah, it needs to be, like, at least, like, four or five minutes or something like that. Yeah, but otherwise, if it's four minutes and two seconds, that's not a
1: big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: When I did that Lifetime movie, I was, like, shocked because I, I don't know, for some reason in my mind... It was always the a TV show has like a very, it's like seven minutes of show. Yeah. Minute of commercial, seven minutes of, like, I always thought it was like the set thing. And they're like, oh, no, a TV movie is like eight acts. The first act is 20 minutes. The second act is 12 minutes. The third act is 10 minutes. Wow. Through the seventh act. And so then the you... last act is eight minutes. And I yeah. was like, what? And then I found out that they were like totally right. So you, you had to hit those marks exactly? Well, in a TV wow. movie, there's eight acts. Yeah. The first one. Is 20 minutes and but but 20 minutes on the dot? Uh, No, Mm -hmm. around 20 minutes. But you have to have the biggest thing that happens in your entire movie has to happen 20 minutes in, yeah, because you need to bring people back from the commercial, yeah. And then your your final act, the epilogue, is eight minutes and it's supposed to your credits, uh, at least for a lifetime, they have to be uh, cards, they can't be scrolling. Mm-hmm. So because it's much easier to fast forward through them. You know, you can show a credit for like four frames or something mm-hmm. if they're on different cards. Right. And then a lot of times we'll put them on half the screen while you're the end of your movie, movie plays on playing. half the screen. Yeah, yeah, So you really aren't supposed to do anything too important in the last eight minutes.
1: Was it a good experience?
0: It was it was it was definitely something I would do once. Yeah. They, they asked me to do another one you, right after. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: They you said no.
0: It was like, it's basically the exact same movie I just yeah.
1: Read it's interesting too with that because like, I'm sure there's at some point you were like, huh? maybe. I mean, it's like another movie, but like, you know, I don't know about you, but like in those situations, I like close my eyes and I see myself mm-hmm. as like a six year old man yep. who's directed 40 Lifetime movie. You know yep. what I mean? It's like, is this a path that I want to like go on?
0: It's exactly the same moment that you had when you were like, I don't want to run a business, I want to be a director. Exactly. And when you said, I don't want to work in development. I want to be a director. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find myself doing that like every year. Like I like get <laughs> yeah. sucked into something. Yeah.
1: And even when it's like a good thing, like getting sucked yeah. into a good mm-hmm. thing. It's like getting sucked into anything. Well, that's why you get sucked into it. it. Yeah. 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 Sure. Because you're getting a great. paycheck. Yeah. Or it's something. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're getting a paycheck, but you're also like making movies. Like you're like a feature director, you know. Yeah. Like millions
2: like... of people watch those movies.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. like, you know, you said it's like probably under a million dollars, but like that's like a pretty From my perspective, like for, you know, like a TV movie, it's a pretty good budget for a movie. The thing
0: is, though, like what you had with Landline and what you had with like Squaresville, like this group of people that are really passionate about making something good is something you do not have on those. Like my first movie, it's like we killed ourselves to make the poster and the website and the this and festivals and this. There wasn't even, there's no website for the movie. There's no... The yeah. poster only because it was like the cover of the European DVD or something. Like,
1: were there you know, were there times where you were like, oh, let's do this thing, and then they were just like, just chill out,
2: chill yeah, out, man. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, like, what, let's why? show yeah. it to
0: an audience, right? That, because to me, that's like the be- test. I love screening. Yeah, yeah. People.
2: yeah, me too. Yeah,
0: and they're like, no, we saw it. It's fine. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's sure. Okay. They're already
2: prepping the next one.
0: This kind of brings me to something that I wanted to ask you. So you've been doing this yes, stuff for perfect, College yeah. Humor yeah. for yeah. years. You've done all these web videos and brand content and different things. So you've done these two TV shows. Like, yeah. can you ever imagine directing a College Humor video?
1: Yeah, definitely. Maybe not for a little while. I don't. I don't know. I think I just like. Lo- I, I like directing anything. I love filmmaking at all. So of course I would love to. I guess in the current time, I, I'm trying to like do things that are more in like. TV and stuff. I'm trying to make a movie and like early next year. But yeah, I definitely, I would never say I don't want to do that because I don't know. I like doing them a lot. Those videos, like sure. I did them for a long time and I was never sick of them I yeah I, I think that's the thing it's like I don't not want to do those I just want to do this stuff more for now for now on you know
0: right but you're probably in a situation where you only have so much time so you have to
1: right 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 decide, yeah no are you for,
0: gonna pitch a tv show or
1: you're right. gonna... yeah yeah definitely for now I think it's like the sort of plan that I have is to like pitch shows and and um try to direct on shows and then you know if one of these shows gets a second season I would love to work on them too and then try to make a movie, just like a really small indie movie, because I feel like my feature film biological clock is kind of ticking, and I like really just want to just want to make a movie, you know? Like you've done it before, and and you know, have have you made a
2: movie? Not yet.
1: But you made like a ton of you made like a really long web sure, series. I, yeah, I did those two web series. Feature really like right. length, sort of when you yeah. cut it all down.
2: And shitty boyfriends. is basically
1: Right. right. Yeah, a yeah. As well. Yeah. So I. I guess I have to with these shows. Like, I like all together, it's like a bunch of sure. whatever, but I just want to make a movie and then do other like TV work and stuff like that. But no, yeah, I, I think like um, I'm kind of excited because honestly, this is like since before our landline and like when I was like 22, this is the first after these shows will be the first time I like don't have like a full time kind of thing. So I'm really excited about it. You know, I'm excited to like. Be a little more like in your guys' world of just. <laughs> just doing
0: nothing all day. Just scheduling
1: coffees. <laughs> Dude. Just waking
0: up in a heard cold this sweat. <laughs> yeah, I heard this great interview with Woody Allen years ago. Are your parents? So yeah. Or he's like, uh, you know, I'll, I'm just working every year. I make a movie. Every year I'm writing stuff. am always doing this. Always, always editing. Always in the room. Always writing scripts. Like, I just wish I could have like. A day off so I can just play the clarinet, you know, watch a a sports yeah. game, have some coffee with like some friends or whatever. He's like, and then once in a while that happens and I get that and I'm like, Oh, this is really nice. You know, I'm just gonna hang out with my family, I'm gonna walk the dog, I'm gonna grab some coffee, I'm gonna, you know, just walk around town. And then it's like the second day, and I'm like, you know, I'll have some coffee again. <laughs> you know gonna see the empire state building okay and and then by the third day i'm like going absolutely nuts and i need a job yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. that's where i
2: am right now actually yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. i could like vomit right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: i think the personality of like an ambitious director does not do well with vacation time
1: Yeah. yeah 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 i'm very like my um grandparents are like sort of Depression type of people
0: like they grew up during the depression.
1: Yeah. Yeah They've had like some some hard times and they sort of had to like build themselves up So I have that anxiety in me absolutely and like that concern like if I'm not doing if I'm not working I'm not like ah, this is cool. I'm just like oh god (laughs) What I gotta do something and like figure something out because I'm never gonna get work again that kind of thing
2: I think there's also that thing of you know when you tell your parents That uh, you're going to be a filmmaker they're in best case scenario they're very supportive but they're always a little worried (laughs) you know that (laughs) yeah yeah so I think that seed is planted early of like this isn't a great idea for stability
1: yeah yeah Yeah. definitely I mean it has a lot to do with just the demand of people here and like how good you are and you know so it is very like very unstable because you know, you're not like a, an accountant or a doctor or something right. where everyone needs that, or they'll go to jail or die. You know, <laughs> you're not you're not saving anyone's life by doing it. So the demand well, is like,
0: I mean, you're not saving everyone's life, but I mean, probably entertainment is like one of our biggest exports in America.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. You you are
0: influencing the world.
1: Um, yeah,
0: and with a show like Adam Ruins <laughs> Everything, you are educating sure. people.
1: No, totally. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I love what I do. I'm
2: just like, you know. Yeah. Sure, doctors uh, do some it. good stuff, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but they do some bad stuff, too. Yeah,
1: they do bad stuff. It's true.
2: I, I guess maybe for listeners at home, because we're kind of in three different stages of freelance directing, mm. um, you know, I think it gets easier for people, for sure. I think I'm kind of in the middle of, of the two of you. I've been doing it for a while. But it always, you know, it's always ups and downs, just like anything yeah. else. You know, and I think just learning to weather that is is good and um But you do you wanna be like working full time anywhere or No, no. I, I think that there are a lot of really cool opportunities out there. And I think having been on the other side of the fence where I was day in and day out going to a really really cool place yeah and working with awesome people and being inspired all the time it it's still it just got under my skin that i wasn't out in the field doing things and yeah. so i think i guess i just have a real bad case of fomo you know like i'm always oh, worried about like not
1: me too but you term. know
2: yeah. yeah yeah well there's no famous director that you can
0: name that has a full-time job right yeah like you, we I don't want so, full, yeah. we don't want well, full time jobs. We just <laughs> want to be offered like ten cool awesome stuff. jobs yeah, and yeah. choose the best one. Yeah, yeah,
1: or but, just
2: do all ten awesome jobs at the same time.
1: <laughs> that that does not work. I can tell you from <laughs> sure, sure. experience. That you are does doing not two work TV out well shows for you. right Oh, now. that is true. Yeah, yeah, and one <laughs> of them is in New York. One of them is in New York. York. Yeah, there was there was like one time because like before I started working, on so. I directed the sizzle reel, which is like a short trailer for a show. I directed that for the MTV show for Miller Night Show, and then this, the sketch for adam Rune's everything I directed as well. And then they sort of both like developed parallel to each other at the same time. And there definitely were conversations with Sam Reich and John Cohen, the like two of the EPs in the show, where they were just like you can't do these two shows at the same time. Like you just can't do it. It's not, not that we don't want you to do it, but like, it's kind of a bad idea. I'm really <laughs> impressed that. <laughs> yeah, there definitely were those, uh, you know, no, offense, was, like no, a, no, know. no, definitely. Like they weren't even just like, you can't do it. They were like, um, we're worried for you <laughs> to do this. And, uh, ultimately it worked out. Did the production well. schedules overlap? Yeah. Everything overlapped everything. So like really? the writing of it, the, the post, the production, the everything. Like there were especially like early on, there were like calls that'd have to be on and then I'd have to hang up that and then go to a there it was definitely like a critical mass period for like a month.
0: You were like pitching that you'd you'd do the midnight show with Adam Conover like every episode. I actually did
1: it I did I was very like proud of myself like I think only once I like entered a meeting and thought it was for the other show because a lot of the same <laughs> like yeah so like funny. a lot of the same like EPs and stuff are on both shows. So, so like halfway through the meeting, just like in my head, I was like, oh, "Okay, this is for the other show. Okay, cool." And like just keep going uh (laughs) but like you know it was fine and like I I did a good job like like uh with the circumstances you know being in New York and prepping another show I'm very proud of of that but I but there definitely was a time where I was like I felt
2: really really overworked just like my my I was exhausted just mentally and and let me ask you because I think we're pretty similar in terms of anxiety levels yeah so the flip side for me is that i i love it when i'm overworked right oh, like there's yeah, something yeah. like no, really yeah. like like egotistical and maniacal yeah, yeah. about like that's why i wanted to do it fucking best, yeah. Right?
1: yeah yeah I, I was definitely like i'm i can do this like give me the challenge i can do it and i did it and i did a good job but like it was really 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 hard it's crazy.
2: That's the best. Well, let me ask you,
0: <laughs> when somebody that you don't know that well, or like kind of like a friend that you haven't talked to for a while, is like, hey, you know, it's my birthday, let's go out for a drink, or, um, you know, hey, le- hey, Paul, let's grab a coffee, and it's in the middle of this thing. Do you say, like, hey, I'm a little busy right now, or do you go, like, Look, I have a shoot tomorrow. I'm prepping the next day. I'm flying to LA the day after that. I'm going to a wedding the day after that. Do you give them like the whole No
1: no, not at all. I don't say all that stuff because that's like I don't I think I'm just like I'm sorry, I'm in I'm just in the middle
2: of it right now and and I really wish I could. Uh, but yeah. Well, that's the other part of the freelance, like the slow part, right? Yeah. Was, I'm definitely like reaching out to friends who I haven't seen in a while because yeah. I like, couldn't for the last six months. Yeah, 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 yeah. Know? So there That's like,
1: yeah, that's something I'm seeing now. I'm like finally getting dinner with like people that I wasn't able to really see,
2: and like it's it's great. Yeah. Cool. So uh, now I think it's time for
1: unpaid endorsements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <Paul. laughs> Do you have a recommendation for our listeners at home?
1: Yeah, I've been watching this show called Red Oaks. Have you seen this show? No. no. You haven't seen it? It's really, really, really good. It's on Amazon. It's an Amazon original. Mm. And um, I think the first couple episodes were directed by David Gordon Green. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's like a period series in the 80s, and it's about this kid who works at a uh, country club. And he's like a tennis bro at a country club and he's just like this kid he's like hanging out in the 80s and it's a really really good like the the reason I watch it and I recommend it is because the tone of it is just incredible and it's very much like in line with what I wouldn't really want to strive to do. It's like a perfect comedy drama that's just like beautiful and, and the colors are very very pretty in it and it's um, just so specific. And it's not like laugh out loud funny, but it's
2: very like it's kind of like freaks and geeks ish. Cool, man. Yeah, it's a really really good show, really oh, funny. Show. Red Oak on Amazon Prime. Red Oaks, yeah. Red on Oaks on Prime. Cool. Well, uh, my endorsement for this week is: uh, Have you guys seen that show Crazy Ex Girlfriend? Yes, it's, it's great. It's, great. it's, it's awesome. so good. It's really good. The marketing is real, real bad. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I be it, or rather wait the billboards Let me rephrase it. I think the marketing is misleading. Right, because you you got the title Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and then the the you know you see that Rachel Bloom is in the show and she's holding the balloon mm-hmm. and it's all I don't, in Los Angeles. The billboard is everywhere. Yeah, and oh, I I saw it and like you know out of the corner of my eye. And Shitty Boyfriends actually is like a sister show to that show somehow. they oh. really, like cross promotion or something. I don't know exactly. All of our advertisement is. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, so I saw it all the time, and I was like, "What is this show? What is this show? What is this show?" Yeah. And so finally, I watched it on Hulu, and it's so much smarter, and funnier, and weirder, and darker than you <laughs> think it's going to yeah, be it's based very off weird. of that marketing. Yeah. So I totally recommend it. It's really funny. It's really weird. Give it a shot. The title is meant to be sarcastic and ironic, and that doesn't totally come across in the marketing. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. So sorry, marketers. It's okay. That was, a bad, a that
1: was a backhanded endorsement, I feel. <laughs> it's
0: a great <laughs> it's show. Great yeah, show. I'll, I'll say one thing about it. My mom <laughs> yeah. is like really into musical theater and stuff, and but I normally wouldn't recommend like a relationship comedy to her, mm-hmm. network comedy, but yeah, th- because this show is like so musical and fun yeah. and big. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's, it seems like it
2: there's something for it. Also in it for everyone. The, so I love novelty music. Of all sorts, <laughs> but the music in this show, the jokes are really, really strong. Like, like really hard laugh out loud jokes funny and jokes in the, the songs, in the yeah. songs, which is a, a feat. Like even Flight they of the Conchords, she's really do that.
1: good at that. Yeah, just like yeah, those little throwaway things that are yeah. just like, oh, that's a really funny so clever. line that could have just been. not a joke it would
2: have been a funny joke as dialogue but then it also rhymes and is in (laughs) the correct meter at the same time just blows my mind it's pretty brilliant yeah and if you guys want to hear a little bit about the writing of that show both
0: the script notes podcast and the nerdist writers panel have interviewed elaine Brosh mckenna about how they write those songs and stuff that's right it's really good Okay, so for my, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm giving bad endorsements, like super obvious ones. <laughs> it's like, hey, you should get an iPhone. Google. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's this YouTube channel. I'm sure you guys all know about it, but it's called Film Riot. And I just find that every yeah. time I'm trying to do like a quick fix, uh, like, you know, Paul, earlier on, you were like, oh, how do I shoot a train without getting a train? Yeah. Like, whenever, like, half the times I Google something, like how can I make someone's head explode or whatever, a Film Riot video comes up. And um, they just, you know, it's this guy, I forget his name, but he just gives really it's good been, tips. They've been doing it
1: for a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. I think good. it's through
0: Epics or I forget who makes it, but check it out. Film yeah. Riot on YouTube. Like every, they put out stuff every week and it, it's like most YouTube channels. It's like 10 times better now than it was like five years ago. Yeah. Where it was like really like kind of backyard effects. Now it's just like kind of really well thought out. So uh, Film Riot, check it uh, out.
2: Film, film <laughs> The backyard effects. They did the tutorial on like a DIY version of face melting from Rage of the oh, Lost Ark. Oh, cool. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And then I remember hearing their Sarah Silverman program wanted to do a face melting joke where it's the episode where Sarah has been just getting abortions like crazy. Like you find out <laughs> that she's had like 16 abortions,
1: which
2: is so has. funny. And then there's a joke where. The doctor looks at her vagina and like the Ark of the Covenant, it melts oh people's faces. <laughs> and so the director, Rob Schraub, who's fucking amazing, had this idea. He wanted to do that joke. And the everyone in the production was like, no, it's going to cost you $3,000 yeah. to do this thing, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no. He looked up the tutorial on the video nice. and then did it himself. He like melted down crayons and like cast a, a plaster mold and then did a stop motion hair dryer green screen oh, shop and cool. that's the shot in the show that's so, awesome so yeah. even if you're big and fancy you can still check out like sites like film riot and learn something that you can use on your basic cable television program so uh
0: paul how can people find you do you have Hi. an
2: online presence Hi. by the way we were going to talk
0: about reels but we ran out of time but you if it's you cool. just google paul briganti reel you'll be in for a
2: real treat real good thank you
1: Yeah, I guess you can just Google me, or I have have a website, pauljbriganti.com.
2: Are you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, it's paulbriganti, and same with Instagram. I like Instagram more. I love it. It's the best. It is the best. If you're going to just choose one to follow me choose instagram
2: there you go because i care more well say someone wants to follow you on twitter or where do they follow you? well naturally you can follow me at smitey pileg and me at mr matt emlow you can follow the podcast at just shoot it pod and also visit us at just shoot and if you have a question that uh, you want to have played on the air give us a phone call at 2626 shoot one is standing by <laughs> well uh thanks to eric for editing this podcast <laughs> eric
0: crapaud Yes. I think we said it right and sorry Eric thank you Steve Combs for the music so everyone was like super worried that like the chicken looks oh, green sure, sure. Someone, someone's wife calling uh, no that's my go to bed alarm no it isn't yeah, it is. oh my goodness an 1127.
2: Yeah. I'm 1127 yeah I'm an early bird okay I like to wake up early before the sun rises